0: Yeah, but we have a we have a live studio audience
1: today. A live studio audience. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, my girlfriend's here. Ah. Oh. What? Yeah, so she's gonna be sitting next to me in my podcast studio.
1: She's uh, gotta be mad dedicated to sit there and listen to you uh, well, talk about the uh, Panther. Oh no,
0: she's got her headphones.
1: Oh, never mind then.
0: She's she well she says she listens to the episodes.
1: Does she? Does she know who I am?
0: Do you? Do you actually listen to them? Do you listen to them all the way through? Oh yeah, she says she listens to them all the way
1: through. I'm surprised she's still dating you since you've been savaged so many times by us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I cut those parts.
1: Hello and welcome to the CSR Podcast. This is Brian. I'm joined by uh, John. Uh, Brad decided that he didn't feel like being on tonight. So it's just me and John bringing you the recap of the uh, week two highlights of the Bills and Panthers game. So, John, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. Bradley doesn't like any of you guys. That's why he didn't want to be here.
1: I mean that doesn't surprise me. He's a <laughs> quite a salty man, let me say. But no, nah, I'm for real, he's great, but
0: yeah, know, so he doesn't hate you guys. He apparently just,
1: not uh, on Tuesday nights, so <laughs> um so John, Panthers won nine to three in a really ugly game, which is, you know, pretty characteristic of the Carolina Panthers over the last several years, so uh I guess to throw a topic out there, um what player? What player did you like or were impressed by the most?
0: Oh, man, there's just so many to name on both sides of the ball. I can't even. I don't even know where to begin.
1: Of course not.
0: Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll have to start. We'll have to look at the defense. Ah, uh, Julius Peppers, probably. I would say because mm. he had yeah, two sacks, another tackle for loss. I'm looking at the box, another two quarterback hits. I guess that might be the sacks. But yeah. Um, looking like 27-year-old Julius Peppers instead of 37-year-old Julius Peppers. That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, if someone had came to me and said that Peppers is going to lead the team in sacks after week two, I'd probably have laughed at him, but here we is are. He, is he leading the team in sacks? Yeah, he's got two and a half. That's the most for the team.
0: But that puts him on pace for what? 20?
1: <laughs> <No>. Theoretically, uh, <laughs> theoretically, yeah, um, that'd be I great. Think, if he did, I think he but... can do it. And the, the funny thing that you met, the funny thing you brought up, Julius Peppers. He actually said that he feels like this is the best defense he's played on, which is really, really tall words. I mean, like the Panthers have had good defenses in his tenure here, so for them to, for him to say that this is the best defense that he's played on,
0: yeah, wow, that's, that's high praise. Um... It's not like yeah we've. I don't think he's been on a bad defense, at least not here.
1: No, I, I mean like the worst the Green they defenses
0: have dealt with. weren't great, but
1: the worst he may have dealt with was like the 2009 Panthers. But yeah, he's had he's been on some pretty good defenses. But I mean, six points allowed in two games. I don't care who you're playing against. Like a lot of the people around here that I talk to who know I'm a Panthers fan are like, oh, well you guys had two bye weeks. I'm like, okay, like. It, those are still NFL teams. I mean, like yeah. Tyrod Taylor's an NFL quarterback. Lashawn McCoy's an NFL running back, and they held him to nine yards rushing. Like, that's not a small feat. I mean, well, they, there's a lot of good teams that have allowed McCoy to still do 100 yards rushing and score, and he just got shut down.
0: Yeah, like 120, what, 120 last week, 100, mm-hmm. like. And I'm, let me—I'm looking up his stuff from last year. He was one of—I the I know he's since he's been there. He averaged—he averaged five and a half yards a carry last year. Sean McCoy did. Yep, and he averaged like five. He did about the same thing last week too. Um, and granted, I mean, it's, a,
1: it's a small sample size, but the Bills were the best rushing attack after Week One, and the Panthers made them look like the worst rushing attack after Week Two.
0: Well, and then even well, and that's not even a fluke because last year the Bills were the best rush rushing team in the NFL, both in terms yep. of total yardage and in yards per attempt. and yep. I mean. <laughs> To get less than one yard per carry. Mike Tolbert outrushed LaShawn McCoy in of yards per carry.
1: Yeah, I mean, the linebacking core specifically is the thing I look at and say, wow. Because, like, Thomas Davis is still playing at a really high level, which I kind of wasn't expecting. Because yeah, he's, was... you know, old. And uh, Luke Keekley is Luke Keekley That doesn't surprise me at all. But then Shaq Thompson's been... All over the place. Like first game, I remember seeing him come free on blitzes twice. Like that guy is starting to really understand the game. So front seven, you add Julius Peppers, and you keep it all the same, and suddenly it's you know a really good, a really really good front seven. I think it's what's telling
0: about how good the defense is is that Luke Kuechly is currently tied for second on the team in tackles, and our defense is still amazing like he doesn't have to do everything like he said to do in the past
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean from top to bottom the defense has been playing well I mean the weak link I'd say is probably Michael Adams and even then he hasn't played that bad you know
0: I haven't noticed him at all which I think for his position is probably more good than bad
1: like well Kirk Coleman was flying around making tackles and stuff but
0: yeah I think Coleman played really well
1: I yeah, he's like the Luke Kuechly of the secondary. He's been making tackles left and right, you know, open field, one-on-one. So, hey, the,
0: Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Adams hasn't messed up yet. He hasn't made any egregious errors, which I think is –
1: Right. Me, like,
0: that's all we need from him because we have so much star power elsewhere. If, if he's just and, doing not badly, then we're fine.
1: And granted, we're being pretty optimistic because, you know – that last play with uh, Zay Jones, where Bradbury stayed on this, the underneath route when he shouldn't have, yeah. that could have very easily been a score, and then we'd be having a whole different conversation about that. But a win's a win, so you know
0: that was a total repeat of the last time we played the Bills.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I was. I remember when uh, after they kicked the field goal and Pan- the Panthers were up by six, I was like, "Oh no," because I just remembered the. Uh, EJ manual touchdown drive to win that game. And I was like, Oh no, this is going to happen again. And it,
0: it's the exact same situation. We yep. kick a field goal instead of going for a touchdown and, or we kick a field goal to make the opponent have to go for a touchdown. And so they do get the touchdown. And yep. I didn't like in the moment when we went to kick the field goal, I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Kick the field goal." And then I thought about it for a second. Like, wait, no, this is dumb. Cause it's like, we're not going to lose regardless of what happens, but the only thing, the only thing, kicking a field goal does is make us win instead of tie. And with how well the team have been playing, tying going into overtime, I'm fully confident the Panthers would have won that game if they got to overtime. So you really don't have anything to lose by going for the touchdown.
1: Well, on top of that, like they dominated the whole game, and like the one thing that was really underscored going into the game was the Bills' front seven. They have a, they have a really good one. They do, like Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams is like. That is probably the unit where I'd be like, I was would be most scared about Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner taking them on one-on-one, because they have a very solid front seven with those two in the interior, and then they have a bunch of good, of decent linebackers. Plus, McDermott knows the offense. Like, I don't care what was said and like, oh, we're going to change up our signals, blah, blah, blah. It's not like the offense is any different from when McDermott got here, aside from the wrinkle of Christian McCaffrey. Like he knew what was going to happen. He knew what he could throw at Cam Newton to cause problems. And it's possible that McDermott may have just thrown out there, the game film on how to cause problems for the Panthers offense. So hopefully wish, they, were, they sure load those problems well, up.
0: That brings me to one of my, my, like main complaint, my main complaints for the whole thing. Um, I saw that being used. Like people are saying that a lot. Like, oh, McDermott knows what we're doing, so he's gonna have a big advantage. We also know how McDermott likes to play call his defenses and stuff, and we looked like we had no idea how to counter it, or no preparation. No preparation went into like actually preparing for it.
1: Like right. We
0: know Sean McDermott did that the whole time he was here, showing those double A gap blitzes, and then either dropping out. Like so, you know, the deep offensive line doesn't know who's coming, and we seem completely unprepared to handle that, which is really disappointing from a team that's been pretty disappointing on offense for what season plus now. Um, and I think if there is, I don't think the advantage of McDermott being familiar with us is as big as some people make it out to be. But if there is one place he would know is that you might know more than anybody else is that we are so predictable in important situations. Yep. It's first, my brother said first play of the game, like when we got the ball said, You guys ready for this uh, Jonathan Stewart handoff up the middle for two yards? Exactly what happened. And you know that, like, if we see it, you know other coaches see it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because that actually brings me to a point. Um, Bill Voth pointed it out on uh, the Panthers' site that uh, the first week Julius Peppers is being used in goal line situations on offense. And all these fans are like, blah, 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 you can't. You can't be sharing our secrets, blah, blah 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 blah. And I was sitting there like, you do realize that the All Twenty Two film is something literally I can go watch. So of course the coaches can go see it. Like,
0: yeah, what do you think so, the coaches
1: do? Yeah, like that. That was so stupid to me. Like, okay, you you're worried because a Panthers beat writer is sharing secrets about the offense that can literally be seen by you or me on the All Twenty Two film. Like, was
0: was Pepperdine on the offense? Last week? What's that? Was Peppers on the Uh, field?
1: I don't think he was on the field for the uh, goal line offense, but granted, they never made it to the goal line because Cam Newton got sacked like six times, but, you know. um, Well, it's not like, what are they
0: going to do to prepare for that differently? Like, hey, guys, they put that big guy in on on offense. We have to completely switch up how we're going to call the play. I mean, they're not going to do anything differently if Peppers is out there or different tight ends out
1: there. No, I mean, like, it's not like Peppers is going to run anything outside of the playbook. It's the same thing as preparing for Chris Manhurts to be out exactly. there as the as the guy. So, Peppers just happens to be a super athletic guy who runs like he's, thir- like he's 25 when he's 37, but yeah. it's not like he's going to do anything crazy. So, you know.
0: I think that would be nice to see if we do something creative, like put Peppers in on the goal line situation, because we're really good at not being creative on the goal line. Like, that last <laughs> – that last – field goal we kicked, where like the first down, it's like if we get the ball, if it's first and goal from inside the five, we're bringing out all the big guys we can fit on the field, and we're handing the ball to Stewart straight up the middle. If that doesn't work, we're going to do it the exact same play a second time. And then if it doesn't work again, we might try something different. And it's just like, why why not occasionally throw in like a little, a little play action or spread the defense out or just something different so opponents can't just tee off on that? run up the middle. Like, you can just crash down and send everybody straight up the middle, like, straight at the middle of the field when we're in that situation because that's what we do almost every single time.
1: Right. And the thing about the running game in the NFL is a lot of times NFL defenses know what's coming. Yeah. So it's a matter of, like, can you stop it? But I get where you're coming from. It would and be... The other... It's...
0: It would just... It's more... Like, I understand, as Tony Romo has shown, that a lot of times teams kind of see what's coming before the play starts. But you... Like... Putting that little bit of doubt in the defense's minds. Like, hey, maybe we need to watch out in case a tight end leaks out. Maybe we need to, like, keep an eye on the fullback. Not just, like, as soon as you see Cam turn his back, just go full, like, full board the running back. No no other account. You don't have to count for anything else.
1: Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Um, I just. so uh, Oh, go ahead.
0: I uh, just, like, like, a lot of Cam's getting a lot of flack for that miss on McCaffrey, which was a bad play on his part, obviously. You gotta make that throw. But my thing was, like, when it happened, I was like, why can't we just do that on first down? And then we had two more shots to do something else. Like, that was the most, that was the closest play to six, closest successful play we had out of the three we ran on that last goal line attempt. Yeah. Well, you nice. know,
1: it's, it, it's difficult because you have to trust in your offensive line. The Panthers definitely do that despite doubts at certain <laughs> positions, I mean, they, not naming anybody specifically. but They yeah. definitely
0: earned it yesterday, or Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: They really earned that trust. And that's one of the other things, I think I've complained about it before, you know, not adjusting, being not being malleable to how things are going. If the offensive line is getting abused frequently, maybe acknowledge that and try to change things up a little bit and not just like, I ah, will still do the same seven-step drops with no help to Matt Khalil. Oh, I name, names, I'm
1: sorry. So, Funny thing, last week we were lamenting the Panthers' clock management on offensive drives, and sure enough, they had like three <laughs> or four different penalties for yeah. uh, either three or four penalties or like timeouts called, all because they couldn't step the ball fast enough. And that's just, that is a huge head scratcher. Like, Might what be the is most going on? Thing How...
0: to watch in all yeah, because
1: like, it's not like Cam Newton's a rookie. Like, it's not like he's Jimmy Clausen playing his first game, you know, like he's a multi-year veteran, but the offense isn't getting up to the line fast enough to get the ball out or to get the snap done. And you were at home too, which is even the more frustrating part is because they don't have to deal with the, like the crowd and like the heart, the like silent counts or anything like that. And they still managed to (laughs) not get the playoff in time to, snap the ball. And that was just super frustrating. I know you brought that up specifically last week. So uh, what are well, your thoughts on that?
0: Still, I still ate it. Um, so well, I was, obviously, I paid, yeah. I paid attention to, I didn't, I thought about it in the Falcons game, because I was wondering if, like, hey, you know, maybe we're just kind of slow getting back to the huddle, and that's just an offensive, you know, urgency problem, not much of a Mike Schur problem. <laughs> and I'm watching the Falcons game at one point, and I can't remember, it was a, a pretty big play, or, and they went, and they didn't even get into the huddle until there was, like, 25 seconds on the play clock, and they broke the huddle with, like, 17 seconds on the play clock. And I'm like, whoa. Well, then our problems... Because we get... I've, I watched the Panthers a couple times, because I was paying attention to when we got in the huddle. We were getting into the huddle with 25 to 30 seconds on the play clock, and still breaking it with, like, 11 or 12. And then it's yeah. just, I don't know what they're talking about that whole time. And I picture... it Because, you know, Mike Shula kind of wears those library glasses and stuff up there, in the boot. <laughs> I just picture him, like... All right, how about this time we run a uh, – actually, no, I'm talking about that one. We'll run – how about we run we'll, – let's do this play. And I just, like, picture him, like, thinking out loud every time Cam's sitting in there waiting for a call. And then we break the huddle with four seconds left and have to sprint to the line and snap it right away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, you know, it seemed like Cam was complaining early on about his headset. Um, I don't know how many times you – notice but early on in the game he kept I running over the sideline and complaining about something with his helmet which i can't imagine so that doesn't fit well so you know it's I've,
0: I've seen him do that a lot though and i don't know if it's him saying like the headset's not working right or if he's just saying like i'm not getting the calls in yeah because yeah. i've seen i've seen i feel like it's an almost a weekly thing where we see him call a timeout and they show Cam going to the sideline and he's pointing to his helmet and he's he looks frustrated
1: Yeah, and like that's not like uh, obviously the Panthers essentially had a bye week against the Niners, and uh, the Bills was uh, a little bit more of an effort, but that can't happen throughout the rest of the season against like the better teams, like the Falcon, a a, a team like the Falcons is going to really mess the Panthers up if they continue to have these issues. So you got to figure like they got to have a plan ready for that. Well, like if we're getting Mm -hmm. we're worse about in the first
0: half, like we're basically wiping a potential drive off the board where we might get the ball back with a minute left on the clock, but if we have no timeouts because we burned them all because we couldn't get plays in on time. That's, that's, we're taking our own possession away. That's one less chance for us to score. That doesn't matter as much we're playing teams like San Francisco and Buffalo that can't score. But if we're playing yep. you know, New Orleans or New England or Atlanta or whatever, like we need every drive we can, we need every time, opportunity to score we can get.
1: Yep. So, uh, Speaking of the offense, and I think this will be the last point that I'm going to get into here, and then obviously we can go on to whatever you may want to talk about. But uh, Greg Olson broke his foot. Uh, Very bad thing. thing. Very bad thing. And he's going to be back in roughly eight weeks. But between now and then, Carolina now no longer has that guy where it's like, okay, third third and five, third and seven you can count on him to get open, catch the ball, get the first down. Yeah. How, how, how big do you see that impact being not having him around? Well, first and who of do you all, think is going to replace him?
0: First of all, I'm sad that he's not going to be able to defend his, one, or, you know, extend his 1,000 yard season streak. Um, unless, you know, I still would like to see like week 17, if we're like locked into our playoff seed, just Cam throw the ball to Greg 50 times in a game. Just try to get his- <laughs> <laughs> Cam's yeah. Gonna, Cam's going to finish week 17, like, 18 for 54 but Gray's going to have 18 catches for 460 yards right um, but I don't really know that's I'm kind of interested because I have no idea how we're going to handle it because I don't think like Ed Dixon's not a plug and play in that spot like he's just going to drop all the balls we throw to him and so it's going to have to come from somewhere else either which is I think Ben. I don't imagine Benjamin getting a whole lot more looks because he's already kind of the, the, the top dog there so I think it's gonna come down to like McCaffrey and maybe Funches to kinda of take those over the those looks over the middle of the field and I would I'll be interested to see how we approach that.
1: Yeah, I was actually gonna say that too. I think Funches is gonna be the uh the new X factor there because he had quite a game on Sunday yeah, was, was after Olsen had like one or two receptions and hardly any yards like he was doing a great job of getting open for the intermediate routes, and I think that now that Olsen's no longer part of the read, that Funches will be a little bit higher on the priority list as far as the reads go. So I think that Funches is going to be a little more involved, and he's, you know, yeah, he showed I- us a lot with that. And Ed Dixon has been wide open twice over the last two weeks for touchdown passes, and, like, granted, like you said, he might drop it, but...
0: We saw that last year. He dropped a wide open touchdown pass. But Wait, to be that speak? open... I, that I, I, I be, have a theory. I'm sorry. I have a theory. I just thought of this. Cam is purposely missing Dixon on those throws because he's he doesn't want to throw his teammate under the bus. Cam's making the mistakes before Ed can make it.
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: I think it's, it's... No, that's true. It's correct. All right. It's go, definitely go true. 100% true.
1: But yeah, I was just saying, like, Dixon was wide open twice over the last two weeks for touchdown passes, and... Cam just flat out missed him. Like it wasn't like it was. They may like the second one may have been a catchable pass, but like, yeah, we know Cam. He can make he can make those throws into your breadbasket, and it's not a big deal. So I think that having that time to throw those because essentially what I the way I look at the last two games is that they were both preseason games. They counted, but for Cam Newton, yeah, exactly. For Cam Newton, they were just preseason games. They didn't matter. They were letting him work out his kinks, get the reps in. So, like, coming up against New Orleans, that's the most important game Carolina has played over the last three weeks. So now, hopefully, he can, you know, return to his regular form on all snaps. It's not like he's been off every time he throws the ball. It's just been off at times I, where yeah, it's I, like you can score a touchdown pretty easily. <laughs> but Cam overthrows the guy 15 yards. So. I think,
0: I thought, for the most part, on Sunday he looked pretty good. Um, he the, I it's easy to remember the bathroom of McCaffrey and the bathroom of Dixon and think he, you know, he's still off, he's something's not right, he's just inaccurate. But for the most part he was throwing some darts. There's a couple that I mean he was a little high, like guys have to go get a little bit. But he was worlds better than he was against San Francisco. And, exactly.
1: Yeah. And then
0: I I can't imagine it getting any worse. Like I can only see it going up from here with New Orleans next.
1: Yeah, especially against that uh, not-so-good defense. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't want to talk too much about New Orleans because we've got to save that for our, our later episode. But I, I think that's a great game for – we talked about it, like the schedule kind of gradually gears up. Like we have the 49ers who look like they're going to be one of the worst teams. They're one of two teams that hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And then we have Buffalo who's a slight step up, but not still not too tough. And then we go to New Orleans who looks like, all right, this is a good chance for the offense to get in the groove now that you know, the right. defense is clicking. And then we go at New England, which might be the toughest game of the season. So,
1: and the best part is you beat the Saints at home, and that's a big motivator because that's yeah. your first divisional game. You know, you go one to zero in the division. That's that's solid. You know, and especially going into the Patriots game, like the Panthers need as much momentum as they can get because this team is a emotional momentum style team. Like they're not a team where it's like, oh, they lose twenty eight to nothing next week, they'll come out and win. 34 out of seven, like they, they need to be in an emotional high. Like we saw that in 2015, they ran the table because they're, they were just successful. They were steamrolling teams. So yeah, I agree. And you brought up a good point there, John, by the way. And for, this is for all of our listeners. Um, of course you did. Um, so on later this week, we're going to have a member of the canal street chronicles, uh, coming on here to talk about the saints and the panthers, with me with me, John and, uh, Hopefully BW, you know, he feels feels like being on here, so, um, so definitely tune in for that,
0: um, it'll be on Friday, you'll listen to it on Friday,
1: when we post the, when we post the link to this podcast, we're going to include some, we're going to include just, you know, a a little ask for questions type deal, so if you have any questions for the Saints guy, he's coming on, and I thank him for that, even though he's a Saints fan, um, Make sure to include any questions you have in the comments or on Twitter, and we'll definitely try to get those over to them. So
0: it'll be so much fun, a little fan interaction.
1: Yeah, we always love fan engagement since it's just me, you, me and you talking to Brad all all I know. the time. We like need get, you know,
0: some, get some boring reason. after a
1: while. Yeah. I mean, like Brad's hot takes are a little bit much sometimes. So you know, you
0: got to go to the to the, the Twitter world. whatever Twitterverse for some reason and logic.
1: <laughs> oh, because that's where it's all—that's all where, right all. yeah.
0: where it resides. Yes.
1: Yep. Yep. Definitely.
0: Oh, uh, one more thing I want to say about the tight end stuff. We saw it a Go lot. Ahead. We saw it a lot when uh, uh Kelvin Benjamin was fat in the summer, and it's coming back up now that Greg's hurt And I see people suggesting, like, "Well, can we make Devin Funches or Kelvin Benjamin tight ends?" <sighs> I know. I say so. I feel too. I don't. There's a couple things of that. One. It's not as easy as just, like, going into Madden and editing position and saying, now you're a tight end, and now your overall rating changes. Like, it doesn't work like that. Like, there's a lot of routes that Kelvin Benjamin and Devin have no idea what the tight ends are going to be doing on a given place. They have no other reason to learn what Greg Olson's routes are supposed to be. That's a whole new playbook they have to learn. And, like, they can't block. They're not block they are not inline players. And then if you say, well, then they'll just be, like, Greg Olson when he's in the slot. Like, they do that already. Like, not right. getting, like, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches both line up in the slot from time to time anyway. So, like, calling the tight end does nothing. And on that same note, the other thing that I see that's weird is that people want to make our wide receivers tight ends. And I don't know if it's the same people, but there's also a subset of fans that want that don't want our tight ends playing fullback. Which is weird to me that, like, wide receivers can just, like, now they're a tight end. But if a tight end lines up in the backfield, it's a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a true fullback. Like he's like a different yeah. species of human being. Like, oh, he doesn't have <laughs> a pullback. He's a yeah. tight end.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, we've seen Benjamin and Funches both excel in the slot when they've had the chances. So yeah. it's the same. Essentially, thing. like you can you can make that substitution in a sense with having one of those two guys in the slot. Because I mean, Olsen lines up, you know, at least half the time in the slot as a or out wide. Like it's not like he only lines up in line. But as far as in line tight ends go. Those two guys are not built for that. They're not ready for that. No yeah. reason to be putting them there. Just line them up in the slot, run the same concept with Greg Olson, put an inline tight end like Ed Dixon exactly. or Manhurts or even Arma. Like those guys are built for that. They're ready for that. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to block. Yeah, so you, you I use, agree.
0: Use Dixon for the, the Greg Olson inline stuff where he's on the end of the line. And you, you give the receiving – Olson, like when Olsen lies out of the slot, instead of just using Dixon there, you just put Benjamin or Funchess or... Yeah, you're essentially splitting Jackson the
1: responsibility with... Uh, the re- you're essentially splitting the responsibilities that Olsen yes. had between receivers and a tight end who can block. So, yeah, I totally agree. So that was, that was the thing I've seen uh, in both... I don't think I saw it too
0: much on CSR. I saw it in some of, like, Bill Wolf's, like, tweet like, Twitter replies when he asked for some questions and stuff. People were saying, like, well, could Devin Funches play tight end? He played tight end in college. It's like, well <laughs> he's always gonna be a tight end to be a tight end. Like it's not a Right. It's it, there's a reason he's a wide receiver now. He's,
1: there's he's a, a reason why they didn't allow him to be fat and continue to play and play tight end instead. So Yeah. yeah.
0: Um the other thing uh, I have seen this alright, I'll ask you a question. Are you ready to pull the plug on Christian McCaffrey? Are you gonna give up on him? Is he a bust? Cut him, trade him?
1: Uh yeah, Kill? definitely you should trade him trade him out get get like a get a quarterback who can play better than Cam Newton since Cam Newton's ruined for the rest of his career that's what i think No, I but just, no Mc, yeah it's the, it's the classic like early weeks skepticism of the fans but McCaffrey's been exactly what we thought he would be and week 1 was more centered around him where obviously week 2 wasn't so
0: point and i San Francisco and Buffalo aren't good teams but their defenses are good and I know, obviously, the sample size is small. But, like, San Francisco went to Seattle, whose offense is also bad. But Seattle scored 12 points at home against San Francisco. So they're, they're not – they don't look, at least yet, at this point in the season, they're not a slouch on defense. Buffalo is is in the same boat. They're, they had a very good first week, granted, to get the Jets. But their defense looks stout. It's – let's – if if Christian McCaffrey can't get anything going in the next two weeks against New Orleans and New England, then I could understand maybe starting to have a little, like the seeds of skepticism can be planted, but not, I wouldn't go full bore like, all right, he's bad, dude. let's. Yeah. Time to, time to, time to start filling out the paperwork that he's officially a bust.
1: You have to understand too, McCaffrey was used to being the most athletic guy in the field most yes. of the time in college. Like, he could juke out three guys and go for a touchdown, where in the NFL it's just not gonna happen. Like and we're you can seeing see that we see the plays where it's like he jukes out a couple guys, gets ten yards, and it's like that's a gro- that's a good play, but it's not what you're used to from seeing him in college. So I agree, you know, like it's you're gonna see a more limited impact from him when a team schemes to make sure he's not an option. And the Niners definitely did that and the Bills definitely did that too. The Bills essentially made Carolina win off of Cam Newton's arm, which thankfully their defense rose to the occasion, but yeah. you I,
0: know. S- I think the thing we see with McCaffrey is, like you said, he's used to being the most athletic guy on the field, and he's he's been dancing a little too much. But I don't think that's something that's going to be a trend for him forever. I think he's still kind of finding his way, like seeing, like, all right, this is how I have to attack these <clears throat> these openings because they aren't there for as long as in college. Like, I can't I can't juke out a guy in in stay stationary and then it, and wait to turn on that jets like I have to just get it and go. And he was a little better about that Sunday, I think. And I think we'll see more of it as it goes forward, But he'll be a little more decisive, basically. I mean, he hasn't been decisive enough yet. That's all it is.
1: And you have to remember, too, like McCaffrey was the centerpiece of that offense in Stanford. He was the offense. Where in Carolina, he's not the centerpiece of the offense. Cam Newton is. And we even saw it with Cam Newton's first couple of years, too. Like, he was used to being the guy who made the play no matter what, where now, like, over the last few years, we've seen Cam Newton not being that guy. Like, he doesn't have to make the play every play. He can be. So a it just game takes him time. So. Yeah. He can, he doesn't have to, he has, he doesn't have to get that first down on third and nine himself, which is something where we saw that in his first two years, where it's like, oh, I have to make this play. But now he's more acclimated to the idea of like, this is a team game, especially in the NFL with all these elite athletes. I have to do what. I have to find the guy who has the best opportunity to get there, so yeah, no, I agree, and I think McCaffrey will grow into being more of a weapon rather than the centerpiece, so yeah, yeah,
0: he's too good at everything to not be a super successful player. It's been two weeks, it's been pretty tough competition, I think he'll he'll be fine, yep, I mean, look at that 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 catch he made on Sunday where he went up a high point like right over the guys he 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 mossed a guy. Or five yep. ten, or five ten running back like monster guy, like that's you don't ever see running backs make that catch. Like there's no,
1: you don't. You there's really a lot. Don't.
0: There's a there's still a lot there. Like he's still the same player that everybody was excited about in the preseason. So yep, we'll. I'm and I don't doubt that we'll see it soon.
1: Yep. No, I agree. Well, John, you got anything else for us tonight? Anything uh, else you want to yeah, bring? Yeah, this up?
0: is just a little PSA. Nothing to do with the Panthers. Um, oh, Jesus. Here we go. If you've ever gotten mad at your fantasy team and tweeted at a player for not getting enough fantasy points, please tell two of your friends to listen to this podcast and then never listen to this podcast anymore. Like, I I don't – I hate seeing stories from people, like, tweeting at guys who are getting hurt. Like, there is – I'm sure you saw it. Uh, people were tweeting at the wrong Brandon Marshall because Giants' Brandon Marshall was not playing well. Like, don't do that. It's childish.
1: Fantasy football is not all about is not all your life. And as much as I hate Odell Beckham sometimes with his stupid decisions, his tweet about his tweet about him being healthy and you know f your yeah. fantasy teams was totally justified. So but, yeah, yeah they said
0: the same thing. Like they <laughs> that's their job. I don't. I wouldn't be sitting at my job. That's their working, livelihood. Yeah, I'm not like working on computers at work having people tweeting at me like hey man i need you to get that up and running faster you're killing my fantasy it team (laughs) i don't want that
1: nope none of us do
0: so yeah don't do that
1: yeah don't be a dick is basically what john's saying don't
0: be an internet dick yep for any reason you're not cool you do that
1: (laughs) well if that's all you got for us that's all i got um thank you for joining the CSR podcast and we will be back with you here in a few days along with the special
0: two week episode or two episode week.
1: Uh, actually it shouldn't be special anymore. Cause, uh, we're going to try and, uh, throw out a podcast after the games every, every week. We'll see if, uh, BW is up to it. Um, but yeah, join <laughs> us, all, everything
0: join us, hinges on Bradley's mood on Brad's
1: mood yep, on how he feels. But yeah, <laughs> join us in a few days for the, uh, podcast, looking up the saints game and, uh, As John said, some parting words. Don't be an internet dick. You guys have a good night.